When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Glass is beautiful. That's what everyone thinks. Otis Eyewear's range features stunning mineral glass sunnies that transcend the boundaries between style, durability and sustainability. The world looks better through Otis Eyewear. Visit OtisEyewear.com. Kevin Sheedy, absolute privilege to have you on the Friday Focus, mate. Um, welcome. I've got, I'm going to start with two questions. One's challenging, one's easy, and I'll let you decide which is which. First one, my reliable sources tell me you're a, a wily old leg spinner. Who's the most famous name that you dismissed in your cricketing career? Oh, it'd have to be Mr. Wood over in West Australia in a, a very funny match that we played for Marsh's testimonial. That'll be about the best, or even Marsh himself. Rodney? Of, uh, uh, no. No, Jeff. Jeff, yeah. So it was Jeff Marsh's testimonial game in Perth. And then, of course, uh, Mr. Wood was batting and batting well and got caught behind by Booney on a roll. About 20,000 in his testimonial, Dave. It was a fantastic match. Did, but, you, did uh, you say David Boone was wicket-keeping? Boone was wicket-keeping, yeah, and he took the catch of his life. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, one of those day-nighter games. Uh, um, and look, I enjoyed it, but I had to go back and train for six months to see if I could put the ball on the wicket again, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Never got a chance to play enough cricket as I got older because of... Uh, my damn coaching career uh, took over anyway. That's how I go. Yeah, well, other other things got in the way, mate. But uh, I've heard good things about the leggies, mate. So it's it's Jeff Marsh is that name. Now the second question again, you can decide what's harder to answer. But uh, who should be the next AFL CEO? Um, probably. Well, from a football club, from a club, right? I, I would say Brendan Gale. Yeah. If it was coming from a footy club experienced person, um, other than that, they'll probably go internal, and um, it could be probably Andrew Dillon. Yeah. Yeah, and do you have a preference either way? Do you think it needs to come from external? No, no, Is it time no, no, for that? I mean, they're both good people. Yep. Basically, good people, but the commissioners will sort that out. They know what they're doing. Hopefully, what well, whoever gets that gig, what's the what's the greatest challenge for the person that takes over from Gil? Energy. That's a lot of energy to run the AFL. Uh, most of them have done a great job, so um, thinking the right guys must have enormous amount of energy and, and good thinking and planning and, and a great vision for the future of the game. Uh, that's what they're going to have. So um, from that point of view, I think it's important. All right. Mate, I'm interested in, uh, from a coaching point of view, obviously – Extended period, 27 years, four premierships. Where do you see now in the current game? How long can a coach have at a club without winning a flag? What's acceptable in the, in the well, modern game? Well, history's telling you at least a decade. 
Yeah, because there's a few getting in around that eight, nine-year mark, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. And some are taking seven years to, to get one, and some have got one in their first years. Chris Scott did, and hasn't won one for maybe 11. Um, then you've got uh, Trumbull, you'd say, you know, some of the best coaches have been in the game for a decade, and yeah. they're very hard to replace, you know. Talking about, you know, John Longmire, I think's a wonderful coach. You know, he's very hard to get everything right in Sydney, obviously. Uh, you know, that Alice Clarkson's done so well. He's, you know, since then probably, you know, you look back at our former bomber halfback flanker, Damien Hardwick, and this one, three, and now he's going to have to try and work out how to hang in there for this year with the last chance of the group he's got and then try and work out where he goes after that. And, of course, in the end, you had Ross Lyon, who had 13 years as a coach and couldn't pluck one, so it's a very difficult job. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> looks like that. Well, with regards to that, and, and there's always annually discussion about which coach is going to go first or who's going to get turned over, There's there's been... There was a bungled attempt at, at a transition by Hawthorne. Uh, I mean, look at cricket. Look at Justin Langer and the way that he was removed or phased out or whatever terminology you want, and even your own experience. Is, is there a better way that it can be done? Do, have you reflected on that, or do you have an opinion on that now? Or is it human nature that talk just starts and gossip starts and then uh, rumour and then oh, it's out of control? Well, I think the best coach has left the coaching ranks has been Alistair Clarkson because <laughs> he, he, he couldn't have done any better, really. And, and probably, you know, the club is saying, well, we're going to go and get another new coach. Well, so all of a sudden you've got Alistair Clarkson sitting there doing nothing at the moment, probably travelling around the world, chasing up some knowledge, helping Tasmania put an, an opportunity there for their possible chance of getting a team. So <laughs> from my point of view... Um, there's, there's no one way because every every football club's different. Some are merciless, some are smart, some are foolish. I mean, I think there was a hundred coaches in my time as coach of Essendon. I was told last week. So while I was coaching Essendon, a hundred guys come through. A hundred were turned over at other clubs. That's about the only century I've ever made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's a that's a big big turnover. So what was the key? So you talk about Clarkson. Uh, did you think? That was the right decision that the club made there. You, sounds like you, you thought maybe not. Um, no, I'm not sure about that. No, I don't know. Yeah. I think the hanging talk about a person say that that won't happen again. Twenty seven years, not the way they are these days. You got that many people working in footy clubs. Have got the whole coaching scene's changed. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you re? Did you have to reinvent yourself and your message, or was it the, just the fact that the players came in and they were turned over? It was more more to you, was it, about what you were delivering? Uh, I think it's about the the opportunity to bring people in to help you. Uh, I was, I mean, my best assistant coach went on to win grand finals and premierships, and you know, like when you have a look at Mark Williams, I got him out of. An education system in South Australia. I got Dennis Pagan out of sales, and I wasn't um, out of sales as a salesperson. You have Dan here with a computer person. He was, you know, and then when the Bob and Thompson electrician, I mean, they all had jobs. Yeah, yeah, but when the money was put on the table for players to be paid full time, we had to go and find full time coaches. Yeah, and sure. So, and then of course you see Damon Harvard doing what he's been able to achieve. It was marvellous. So. 
you know, we've had some coaches win premierships along the way, and, and guys get the grand finals. But Mark Hardy coached Fremantle to a damn good effort, and okay, got chopped up by you know Ross Lyon and the Fremantle board, and they had their chance and they didn't win one. So that's the way it goes. And now Longmuir is um, looking very good. Yeah, he is indeed. There's a, a bit of a buzz over here about that. Not so much the other team here in Perth, uh, the West Coast Eagles. You you uh, started a nice uh, traditional rivalry against them back in 93. Was that that, that uh, jacket waving? I'm sure you've spoken ad nauseum about it, but remind us, what, what was the catalyst for that and and, uh, and did it become a motivating factor, do you think, for, for your teams over the years? Oh, look, we're always up against it with West Coast. I mean, they're a damn good club. They had a good coach, Mick. Um, he nearly got put straight into a grand final back in uh, about '85, and um, West Coast nailed him and got him over there. And he's you know, no one's won two premierships out of Perth under the Mickey Monhouse. They're very hard to win, <laughs> let alone yeah. two on the across another ball. So uh, it was always going to be a, a definite sort of frosty contest between Mick and myself because we come out of the same club, Richmond, and the back back pop players, which means. There's not a lot of love there. <laughs> <laughs> like two fast bowlers having a crack at each other. <laughs> well, two spin bowlers maybe might be the analogy. <laughs> no, fast bowling back pocket. You know, most of the coaches have won premierships have been back pocket players when they go back to Parkinson and Hayes and Pagan and these sorts of guys and gritty little people like, you know, Alistair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I asked you about that, that messaging to players, but you're always prepared to take a risk with a style or introduce something different into your tactics to just to see how it went, I guess, or surprise an opponent. Do you, if you were coaching yeah. now, would you have a development in your back pocket, a tactical development that you would be ready to roll oh, out? Is there something? You, you had to have more ideas up your sleeve than most if you're going to be a very, very good coach. Um I mean, when we played it here, you know, we're coaching. You know, it's hard to be the first full time ever coach because there's no one to follow. Yeah. You know, there's, so you had your own sort of position, full time coach of Essendon, first year 1981, and everybody else in the other coaching ranks, even the five or six superstars like Tommy Hafey and Jeans and you know, those sort of people, Brassie and, and Park, and I mean, they're all part time. So yeah, I had sure. to go and sort of forge a way to look at football totally different. So that was a great learning lesson. I did visit and speak to most of the coaches of all sports around Australia and overseas. And I've been doing that ever since. So um, <clears throat> coaching's been more of a world journey and an Australian journey and a sporting journey for me, not just coaching Essendon. Yeah, no one's more experienced than that journey than yourself. And, and the way it's evolved, Sheed's uh, Jack Ginevan. Kicks uh, a bag on an Anzac day and goes and has a couple of bevies with some mates. Is, have, we, have we lost our way with what we expect of our professional athletes? Not just footy players, but it just seems crazy. A young fella, his biggest day of his career to that point, I don't know that he got out of control. Is, is the expectation too high? I think they're too high for certain players, yeah. I, do. I think if you want to run it like a, a military concentration camp or, you know... It's just, you know, I think that... Uh, so we don't even talk umpires anymore after games. Boats get on the buses, get out of town. They've got to get back and do their rehab. Yeah, I reckon every now and then you sort of say, look, we're going to have an after-match and, and say hello to each other and 
you know, get back a little bit of old solid footy. I, I won't hurt. It's probably in, inner soul-searching morale of the game in deep. And, you know, <clears throat> fans get upset when they're laughing and shaking hands after a game. Well, so will I. You know, I don't like that, but that's just probably an old person thinking about, look, you get off the ground and <clears throat> don't worry about it. They beat you. Why would you want to be smiling about being defeated? I can't see that any any sense in that. So anyway, look as I say, if I was coaching again, there'd be certain rules that I would apply. But boys want to go and have a beer afterwards. Well, after a great win, a wonderful performance, I was going to have an Australian, even though it's a six-day break. Yeah, I reckon that makes sense. Just two beers, not going to. If you have two beers, not going to kill you. No, you wouldn't. Wouldn't think so, and mate. I didn't. I didn't drink when I played. I didn't have a drink until I was thirty-six. But you weren't bothered by, uh, as a coach, players relaxing and enjoying no, no, themselves. No, no, no. As long as they were ready to go when I pressed the button, and if they weren't ready to go, well, the whole team suffered. So the whole team looked at those guys, that, and they said, "Mate, you guys got to put your head in, otherwise, you know this." Little mongrel dictator, Sheedy's like, it'll slaughter us. They knew the rule. But you, um, just a, a couple of quick more. You, you, you coached some amazing players over a long period of time. Was there an opposition player that you would have loved to have coached, or, or indeed now, someone you observe who's a current player that you go, Jesus, imagine if having, having him in your ranks. Oh, I think Dusty Martin's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I reckon he's pretty good. Shane Bolton, which when he's a player that you love, I think he's good. I mean, just re- Remember when I started coaching, there was um, probably maybe one Aboriginal playing in Victoria, two at the most. We, we, we sort of, you know, at least we got that right. We, yep. Victoria, I'm talking about in particular, the Eastern States, because West Australia had a lot of wonderful players playing in the Waffle and South Australia in their sample, but Victoria, you know, absolutely terrible at finding. Out a reason why we were not picking them, and um, and so Michael Long and Nicky Winmar were the first two that become fantastic for the major step back into finding more talent in the Indigenous people. Is is that your greatest legacy on the game to this point? Would you say that engagement and and complete? Oh, one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've always loved them. I, I think the boys are pretty good. Yeah, you know. Some of them get in the trouble just like any other person in the whole of Australia. Um, and that many young kids get, you know, probably brought up and knock them out. And I've had them at Essendon and non Indigenous boys, and um, you've got to straighten them up. You know, I remember Sack one, he rang me up a week later and said, Look, um, I was wrong, can you get me back? I said, oh, Mate, I've just been listed you now, I've got to go put you back in the draft and, and get you through the draft. So you might may end up at another club. So next time we tell you what to do, just get it together, will you, for God's sake. So I'll think about it. And, you know, and he ends up a premiership player. Yeah. So, but he just didn't adhere to what the disciplines and what were needed. And uh, he, at least he's cold called back and came and sat down with his cap in hand and uh, said, yeah. look, I really do apologise. I just, just got a bit ahead of myself. Yeah. Uh- it was a human error. Yeah. We know it's perfect, you know. Like no. The game and the cricket and the sport and the Olympics and, you know, racing. And that, it, there's always something happening and you've got to do is just try and keep it right. And it takes a group of people to try and keep, keep it right yeah. while we're all trying to have a bit of damn fun. 
Yeah, a, a lot's got to go very, very right, doesn't it, to, to just get to the top level and then and then actually sustain it for a long period of time. A guy that did it and then it, it didn't end well at the club, James Hurd. Are you in touch with James? Do you see him having a role as a full a, a, a head coach again? I know he's involved with GWS at the minute. I hope he does. You know, I think he's a fantastic person. And, um, you know, he, his major problem that I felt was that he never did any coaching before he'd become a head coach. And that's very awkward because I'm a great believer in that you do your coaching courses. That's why I started the Coaches Association with Neil Banner, and they've all come through at different levels of coaching. Um, and, of course, in, in that process, it will be sort of, in, you know, how, how do you employ people with a very, very shady grey of integrity, have you? Um, and that will come into it because there's a hell of a lot of layers that you've got to look at. So when you start appointing your assistant coaches, um, all of these sorts of decision-making um, has got to be involved in coaching courses, particularly when you end up in the top-level course and you're the one that's going to you know, present to a board where you're going to pick eight full-time assistant coaches. And you don't need any scallywags in there, and I don't think I don't know whether James had that experience. To be honest, at that time, when um, you know Dank and uh, Robinson comes to the club, yeah, sure. Yeah, I had a, an interesting chat with Michael Voss the other day about his perspective on it now compared to when he started the Lions, and he actually oh, you know, no, every, everything he said example. there. Sorry, he's a perfect example. Yep, yeah. straight out, straight into his own club to coach for yeah. five years, approximately. Gets turfed out by his own club, and then has to go over in Adelaide and look at himself as an assistant working through in another two-team town. Uh, probably did what seven or eight years there. Mm. That's so, a big yeah. apprenticeship now, so yep. he should get it right for Carl. I think Carl made a reasonably good decision. Yeah. It, it. Evidence of that at the minute. Very quickly, Buddy 1000 the other evening, everyone in the AFL and, and all and sundry rejoice. Who's the best goal kicker that you saw? Well, it'd be very hard to beat Ablett and uh, Lockett. I think Lockett doesn't get enough praise. He's kicked over 1,300 goals and played in crap sides. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable when you look at it. You know, not as if he had some of the greatest smart passing ball kickers in front of you like St Kilda hardly ever made the finals you know Swans well he got him into a grand final but when they kicked a point after yep. the side when he beat us in the 96 he kicked over 1300 goals and probably one of the worst overs you'll ever play footy in the Raven Oval yeah. <laughs> and I just don't think we ever for some unknown reason and I don't know what it is we always look at you know we'll look at Carey or we'll look at, you know, Lethal Matthews or we'll look at Ablett, but it's very hard to kick over 1,300 goals, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think unlikely to be threatened, that one, isn't it? And I will never be. I can't see ever being threatened. Not the way we're playing to manipulate the game now, push back, and there's more run there with all these rotations. The whole deal with rotations off the bench is you can push back and defend. Yep. Yeah. Well, mate, so I, I, think, I think Luckett, I think Tony Lockett, I mean, I, I've often mentioned in the, Ballar- the city of Ballarat, why don't you just put the statue, the statue there now and it'll never be touched. <laughs> Ballarat. 
yeah, greatest goal kick in AFL history, Tony Lockett. She'll be seeing it as you drive into Ballarat. I don't think too many would argue with that. I, I started with a cricket-related question. I'm going to finish with one. The great innovative thinker of the AFL uh, system, Kevin Sheedy, big bash cricket. What have we got to do to revamp it? You got an idea for us? Look, I'll be honest, I don't. No, no, I don't. I'd like to revamp test cricket. Okay, well, that'll do. What are we going to do there? <laughs> I think the 12th man should be allowed to play. He's a, he's, he should be the person that is the, the swing in the game. Ah, right. Give me a player that can actually do something other than just pouring a drink. <laughs> or consuming a drink, depending on the 12th oh, man well, that you I'm play with. I not anything about that, but <laughs> here is a 12th man, not to be used except you're allowed to run when somebody's got to go to the toilet or there's a, a slight injury, he's just got to get a, a bit of strapping or, you know, please, I mean, you want to have something in test cricket which can get to a situation after so many days. Just imagine if, um, and for the sake of it, we'll just say it was Shane Warren. Yep. The late Shane Ward. Yep. And he's on his last legs as a player. Oh, how would you love to have him come in on game as the 12th man and be the swing player um, at 36 or 8 years of age and be able to change your home? I mean, that would be incredibly... Or Miller Ritherin or whoever it is. doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, I just think the 12th man's not used. And uh, I know there's rules that you, that's cricket and don't touch it. And I know that. But... Um, I would look at cricket. If I was running soccer, I'd probably have two goalies and no offside. Anyway. <laughs> I like the no offside call. call. Hey? I like the no offside call, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Anyway, look, it's, uh, uh, it's all perspective and um, trying to create uh, the people of the world enjoying this sport, okay? <laughs> Mate, you've been very busy. I know 150 years for Essendon Football Club, longer than Man United, the Yankees. It's an amazing club uh, historically in Australian sport, not just AFL. I know you've been sharing the four premiership cups around the regional Victoria. Mate, Kevin Sheedy, thank you so much for taking time to join us on the Friday Focus. Well, I'll be able to see you soon with the cups, hopefully in about a month when we play West Coast. So uh, cheers to everybody in West Australia and uh, you keep us safe, uh, keep themselves safe and well. Thank look you. Look forward to having you, mate. Thank you. No worries. Bye. Thank you for listening to In Focus with Adam Gilchrist, brought to you by Otis Eyewear. The world looks better through Otis Eyewear. See the range at otiseyewear.com. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.